Thanks, Jeff. Today we are kicking off our brand new seven-week message series that we're calling Thriving Lessons Learned from 1 Thessalonians. And so we are going to be in this letter today and over these next few weeks. The goal today is really just, I just kind of want to set the stage for what's happening, some backdrop behind this letter, and I want to share a few thoughts on uh, that, that Paul had toward these Thessalonians, and quite honestly, some that I could echo when talking about you here today as well. And this is the first of two letters that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. And this is really, what's interesting to me about this is this letter was written in about 50 A.D., may not mean much, but the special thing about that is, is this letter is one of the earliest, if not the earliest Christian documents that we possess, 1 Thessalonians. And what's special about that is in this letter, Paul, he, he writes some, uh, really some sweet encouragements to this church in Thessalonica. Not only does he write some sweet encouragements, but he shares some heartfelt challenges with them as well. And so I just want to show you, as Paul was making his second missionary journey, and he was traveling to share Christ with people, he came on this city in Thessalonica. And I just want to kind of show this to you because of its location there at the top. It's on the Mediterranean Sea. It is a prominent port city. The reason this is important is because there's a lot of trade, there's a lot of commerce, there's a lot of people coming in and out of Thessalonica. In fact, it became such an important location that it it actually later became the capital city of Macedonia. And so Luke, who is a trusted doctor at this time, Luke, he, he documented some of the events that took place place around Paul's journey. And, and he wrote, uh, Luke wrote the book of Luke and also the book of Acts. It's in Acts chapter 17 that he shares with us what happened during this journey with Paul. In fact, Luke tells it like this. He said, as was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas. That was Paul's traveling companion, along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. So what's happening here is, is Paul took three weeks, essentially, three weeks of, of sharing Jesus with these people. He's talking to them about how Jesus is the Messiah, how Jesus, he did die on the cross, he was buried, but then he rose again three days later. As a result of Paul's efforts in Thessalonica here, people began to come to know Jesus as their Savior. They started to believe and put their faith and trust in Jesus. And the cool thing about this is, is so many people started to put their faith and trust in Jesus that they quickly realized we need a, we need a place for these people. And so the first thriving young church plant occurred in Thessalonica. And, and, and so fast forward a few years, Paul leaves, but he begins to hear a few things about this young church that he planted. 
he begins to hear some things, and so he decides, I'm going to write them a letter. I want to address a few thoughts that I have with them. I want to share with them some information that's important. I want to care for this young church. And so this letter is written and sent to them, 1 Thessalonians. It's amazing to me, it's amazing to me that all these years later, the things that Paul addressed to this young church are still relevant to us today. He addressed things like this, people-pleasing. I think anyone in here, people-pleaser? He addresses uh, standing firm in the midst of adversity. That is standing firm when challenges come. Paul addresses with them discovering God's will for our lives. That is, what is your mission? What is your purpose? What is your vision when it comes to following Christ. He also shared some end time things. All these years later, and these things still apply to us today. Imagine how cool it would be to receive a letter from Paul. I, I mean, what if he wrote our church? I bet it would say something like this. I, Paul, I am writing to the church in Norwalk. And to you, those who belong to God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, may God give you grace and peace. That's how he begins. He give you grace and peace. And so I want to pray that for you now as we go on. Lord Jesus, thank you for this letter. Thank you for these words from Paul. Thank you for his heart for those people. Lord, thank you for the impact they were having around the world. Lord, thank you that we have them to look to today. Lord, would you give me the words you would have me to share, and would you open our hearts and our minds, Jesus, today, and ask this in your name. Amen. So uh, a few weeks ago, we had this cool event that we did at our church here, and um, it was an event for young men, and when I say young men, I'm talking third through fifth graders. We had a dodgeball tournament. Sixty-five third through fifth graders showed up to play dodgeball. So when I tell you there was a lot of energy there was a lot of fun. It was crazy. They ate a lot of junk food. All those things are true. They happen. And, and I was reminded, as much as I love dodgeball, that when these kind of events come along, I am not as young as I once was. But these kids had a blast. As part of this event we did, we invited a young man named Isaac Bunce to come and, and speak. Now, Isaac here, he's on the far right. Isaac is, is a junior at Perkins High School. He comes to our church. He's, uh, he's, he's big, he's strong, he's athletic, he's cool. He's kind of a local celebrity with some of our, our young kids. And here's why. I just want to brag on Isaac for a little bit. Even though he goes to Perkins, it's okay. Isaac was a junior, is a, junior uh, was a starting running back for the Perkins football team. He rushed over 1,800 yards this year and scored 29 touchdowns for Perkins. If I could have had him on my fantasy team, I would have killed it this year. Uh, Isaac is the sweet guy, and he came and he shared with those kids a little about his faith, about how he lives out his faith on and off the field. And one of the takeaways that Isaac shared with the kids, this is so interesting, is he shared with them that he refuses to cuss. Imagine that, a high school football player who refuses to cuss. And, And he shared that with the kids, and it made an impact in their lives. Him sharing that, it, it, it made an impression in their lives. I would say that Isaac was a role model 
to these young guys. That means that he exhibited some kind of quality in his life that inspired those boys to live differently. Now, you have role models, right, that you, that you see and you go, man, I wish my kids kind of had some more of that. Or maybe it's even in your life where there's people in your life you look to and you go, man, because of how they live, it inspires me to want to be different. It inspires me to want to live differently. That is what a role model does. And as Paul is writing this letter to the Thessalonians, he begins by sharing with them that this young church is full of role models. I mean, listen to how Paul writes this. He says, as a result, you have become an example to all believers in Greece. That example, if you have your Bible, underline and circle that. It's a critical word. You've been an example to all believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. Then now the word of the Lord is ringing out, he said, ringing out, I love those words, from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia, for wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. Those words ringing out are special words. They actually comes from a Greek word, execeo. Execeo is where we get our word echo. It's the only time that word is used in the entire New Testament of our Bible. And it, and it literally means, John Stott tells us, it literally means that it is a sound or a boom. It can be likened to a, a loud trumpet or, or a thunderclap. So what Paul's saying here is that these Thessalonians' lives and their faith were making such a boom, such an impact in the community and around the, their area that people were taking notice. They were, they were being drawn in because of this. That what they were doing in this little church, it was causing people to come to know Jesus. They were seeing him in a whole new way. And I love this because I think to myself, honestly, I can say this about you. How many times have you been out in public? I don't know, at least I have, where I've heard people say this. They go, oh, you're from the chapel? Oh, that, isn't that the church that did this? Isn't that the church that, that went to the nursing homes? Isn't that the church that does the Love Norwalk thing? Isn't that the church that raked my neighbor's leaves? Isn't that the church that I hear that all the time and I always say, yes, yes, it is. Because it's so amazing. You have faith in Christ is making a boom in the community. And what makes this even more incredible is what Paul says one verse earlier. Because he says, you receive this message with joy from the Holy Spirit, yes. But then he says, in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. And in this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. Something happened here that maybe you have been experienced and, and been familiar with. Something happened to these Christ followers in Thessalonica that they were being persecuted for their faith. As they came to know Jesus and as they lived their faith out, they began to be persecuted. He says, just like Jesus and I were. And, and yet, the cool thing, they didn't give up. They didn't give up on faith. They didn't give up on God. In fact, it says as their suffering increased, their joy increased. Their faith in God increased through this. It's no wonder Paul calls them 
role models because they're an example of what it looks like to live with this kind of faith. And wouldn't you long to hear those words spoken about you? We live in a society where there's not much private, right? We put everything out there. Folks know where we're at. They know where we're going. They know what we ate. They know everything about us. And yet, when it comes to our faith, We always act like it's so private. It's my private faith. I'm telling you this. Paul and the Thessalonians wouldn't have understood that. That that wouldn't be part of their vocabulary because they lived their faith out. And they were more concerned about following Jesus than anything else. They were more concerned about leading others to following Jesus than anything else. They were role models of faith in 2,000 years Later, here we are still talking about them. It's incredible. And so, um, if you want to be a person who thrives, if we want to be a church that thrives like these Thessalonians, I, I just want to spend the rest of our time kind of looking at what did they do? What was it that made them thrive? How can we do the same thing? So let me back up to the very first verse in Thessalonians and and, and show you. It says this. This letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Again, Silas and Timothy were Paul's traveling companions during this journey. We are writing to the church in Thessalonica, this new young church plant. To you who belong to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, may God give you grace and peace. We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly, to which I immediately thought I can echo these words from Paul because I could say, I, Charles, ask God to give you all grace and peace. I thank God for you all the time, and I pray for you. And in this way, I can understand Paul's love for this young church because of the, I, I feel the love for you. And then he says this in verse 3. This is the critical verse. This is the how they did what they did. Verse 3. As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. You notice those words, faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love, three words that not only describe the Thessalonians, but that that Paul uses all throughout the New Testament. Remember in 1 Corinthians 13, the famous love chapter that we hear in weddings all the time? That is those words when Paul said, three things last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Paul uses these three things as evidence that God is at work in you and using you. If you ever want to know, hey, is this church being used by God? In my life, is it being used by God? Then here's your simple formula. Is there faith, is there hope, and is there love? Because those three things are evidence of God's work in and through you. In fact, John Stott He tells us a little bit why this is important, and and I love this quote. He said, together they completely reorient our lives as we find ourselves being drawn upwards towards God and faith, outward towards others and love, and onward toward hope in the future. He uses those words upwards and outwards and onwards. This is an incredible vision for our life, a vision that the Thessalonian church had and were thriving in a vision, if we want to thrive and continue to thrive, that we have to maintain. And then Paul says it like this. He said, how did they thrive? 
through these things? Well, he used these words. He said, it's through your faithful work. Your, your, your faithful work. It, it's James, Jesus' half-brother, who wrote in his book when he said this. He asked these questions. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? He asked these questions. He's saying, look, to love Jesus with your heart means that you will show Jesus with your actions. Now, don't confuse what I'm saying. Because I'm not saying that you, that you show Jesus with your actions so that he will love you. No, 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 no. It's the opposite. It's because you love him. It's because you love him and that is overflowing that your actions reflect that love to other people. And it's no wonder he ties this, this faithful work with his next thing. He says it's not just your faithful work. He says your loving deeds to which Jesus himself said the greatest commandment is to love God and love others. This isn't an either or, this is a both and kind of situation. Love God, you love others. The Thessalonian people were known for this and they lived their lives on a mission. That's why we do the things that Jeff was telling us about. We go around the world and we, and we tell people about Jesus in India and in Burundi and in Mexico and in Kentucky and all over the place. We're going to these places to live on missions. That is why Paul said that God's work was at work within them. So they're living sacrificially for the benefit of others. So here's the thing, as I thought about this, these past couple of weeks have been reflecting on some stuff and thinking through some stuff, and I, and I started making a little list. And I want to share with you some things that I've heard over the past year or so. And this is just a small list, but it's important for you to hear. Here, here's the list I came up with. You served over a thousand people at Love Norwalk. You donated hundreds of backpacks socks, deodorant, toothbrushes. You gave free haircuts. You served hot meals to some who may not get a lot of hot meals. 110 kids got to go to summer camp this year, which may not seem like a big deal to you, but because of your generosity, there are parents in this room that can't afford to send their kids to summer camp that did. And as a result, they had fun and heard about Jesus incredible. 236 residents at local nursing homes were visited by you this year. You brought gifts, you brought Bibles, you brought prayers. There were 25 care packages sent to college students who are away from home this past fall. You built a habitat house in the parking lot of our Sandusky campus. You love people who are often not seen and not heard at our Night to Shine event that took place. You hosted family game nights. You did flag football tournaments. You, you, you did a widow's lunch. You, you invited women to connect and fellowship at renewed events. You gave time to rake leaves, to donate food, to paint. You took students out for ice cream to encourage them. You went to their sporting events to cheer them on. You, you went to their plays and their musicals to bring them flowers and applaud their performances. You smiled at cashiers. You left bigger tips for for servers, you opened your homes, we said yes when it wasn't convenient to say yes. You gave up your comfortable seat on Christmas Eve so a guest could have one in the room and you sat in the overflow. You hugged people who were dirty, you prayed for people you didn't like, and you refused to make fun of the weird kid at school. It's incredible. This, this is loving God and loving people. 
this is what that looks like. And this was a short list. I could have gone on and on and on. And the cool thing is, is this is the exact same thing the Thessalonian church was doing 2,000 years ago, and they were thriving. They were loving others through Jesus because of their love for Jesus. It was overflowing. Imagine being known for this. Imagine being known as people uh, in our workplace, in our communities, who love Jesus because of how you live, your character, your integrity, your unwillingness to lie, your, your unwillingness to be nasty to people, your, 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 your care for them. Imagine the impact that would have. Imagine people who think and believe that the Bible can't be true begin to second-guess that because they, the way they see you bring it alive in your life. Imagine the people who have walked away from church angry and hurt and said, I'm never going back to that place of hypocrites because they're just awful people. Imagine if they started reconsidering and going, maybe I should give church a second chance because they saw the way that you live and you treated people inside and outside these walls. That is thriving. The Thessalonian church was thriving. And if we want to continue to be a church that's thriving, these are the things we must continue to do. Faith and love together lead to a thunderclap, a boom of impact. But don't forget about the third thing. He says there's faithful works and there's, and, and there's lo- loving deeds, but the third thing he says is what? Enduring hope these people had. Enduring hope. This, all of us want hope. This isn't a church thing. This isn't a religious thing. This is a people thing. All people want hope because life's hard. And they want hope that tomorrow doesn't have to be the same as today. They want hope that my suffering and my hurt today won't continue tomorrow. They want hope that there's something out there, that there's a peace or there's a joy that can be achieved. They want hope. And and I'm telling you that if without hope, we can't go on another day. And and so we look for hope, right? We look for it in all these places, you know. We look for it in relationships and in money and in jobs and different things. We try to find hope. We even try to find hope within ourselves. We say, if I'm disciplined enough, or if I'm just positive enough, or if I do certain things enough, I'll be okay. But we all know what happens when we place our hope in those things. They fail. They, They disappoint us. They're undependable. That you and I need a hope that goes beyond that. In fact, it's C.S. Lewis that said these words that I, I, I love. He said, most people, if they really learned to look in their own hearts, would know that they do want and want acutely something they can't be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, but they never quite keep their promises. We need something more, something that isn't going to disappoint, something that's not going to fail, something that you can't buy. We need something. We need hope. And so when Paul talks to these Thess- about these Thessalonians' hope, he, he gives us the key to how this happens. How do they have faithful works? How do they have loving deeds? And how do they have this enduring hope to last a lifetime? He says this, it's because of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the key. All of these things happen because of Jesus. There's no other solution. Jesus, who was fully man, 
fully God. He came to this earth. He lived the perfect life you and I were meant to live. And then he went to the cross carrying all of the sin and all the shame and all the evil and all the sickness and all the hurt and everything on his shoulders. He died a painful death, went to the grave, taking those things with him. And then he rose from the grave, leaving them behind, proving that those things could be defeated and that he would be victorious so that we could put our hope in him, the one who will never fail the one who will never disappoint. This is the kind of hope the Thessalonians had to endure such hardships with joy. And it's the kind of hope that you and I have to have if we're going to thrive. And it's the kind of hope you and I have to share with others so that they can have it too. This is the key. Look, here's the deal. All of us, all of us have role models in our life. People that we look at and we point to and say, I want to be more like them. But here is the opportunity I offer you today. You can be that. You can be a role model to someone else. You can be a person in a church that continues to make an impact in our community and around the world for Jesus. And the formula is simple. It's just this. Faith, hope. And love, fueled by Jesus Christ. Those three things present in our life. These believers in Thessalonica were changing the world because of their faith, hope, and love. And we talk about it 2,000 years later. So here's my challenge. Let's be a church. Let's be a church that, that sticks to the plan, that doesn't waver. When things get crazy this year, I mean, it is election year after all. Could we cling to faith, hope, and love through Jesus above all else? Because if we do that, the example we set for people outside these walls is going to blow your mind. And we can step back and see the amazing things God will do. I can't wait to see. So let's continue to be a church that thrives just as the Thessalonians did. And we're going to continue on in that next week, so I hope you will join us then. Let me pray for you as you go. Lord Jesus, again, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for this church. Lord, thank you for all the ways that you do incredible things for the people that you're using, even right here in Norwalk and Ohio, for your mission, for your good, Lord, to lead others to you. Lord, could you continue to do that, please? We look to you, we depend on you, we place our faith, hope, and love in you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. Hey, drive safe.